and welcome back to another installment of Animation Broadcast and Cinema, a.k.a. the ABC Movie Show. My name is Bo Allen. I'm Jacob Rodier. And we are starting off today with something that not a lot of people are happy about. Oscars are cutting presentations, specifically the documentary short, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animated short, live action short, and sound categories. Those all will be... Uh, done an hour before the televised broadcast so like an hour before the oscars even really start um, i don't think anyone's happy about it no and uh, uh the academy president david rubin wrote a long letter uh about why they decided to do this and i am uh just going to read an excerpt that i grabbed from it right now in order to provide more time and opportunity for audience entertainment and engagement through comedy musical numbers, film clip packages, and movie tributes, a change in the show's production will take place. This year's show's producers and Academy leadership with oversight of the Oscars have made the decision with endorsement from the officers and the awards committee that every awards category must be featured on the television broadcast, though eight awards will initially be presented in the Dolby Theater in the hour before the live broadcast begins. So there's the, they're not doing it live, but they're going to show who won and they're going to show parts of their speeches. And they were like, everybody is going to get their Oscar moment where they win in front of a big crowd or whatever. But, like, they're not. They're robbing these people of a true Oscars experience, the winners of these categories and the nominees of these categories. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely disrespectful to all the filmmakers who are nominated in those categories. Extremely. It's insane. I mean, and the, the fact that editing is part of that, which is just as important as directing and cinematography and any of the other big awards, no film would ever be possible without editing. And they're cutting that is just mind blowing to me. So I think a, a reason they did film editing is because I don't I, I I don't know if it really crosses the average viewer's mind um, about how neither does cinematography is no but cinematography I think is something people have a better understanding of like cinematography is the thing people talk about if they want to act like they know about movies mm, okay sure but, but who cares what other people think this is the Oscars the Oscars care about what other people think they care. Well, they obviously don't because when they did this, whose mind are they changing when they're doing this? No one's going to see this and be like, oh, now I'm going to watch the Oscars. Well, the reason that they're doing it is they're hoping to draw in more people through. They're going to have more like of these fucking little skits that they do. But literally, that's what everybody hates about the Oscars. Right. I think, well, here's they're they're trying to put on big acts that will draw people in. And they don't they, they they aren't worried about the niche group of people that watch this because it film is something they very much care about. And so I don't I disagree year, with that. I think that well, I'm not disagreeing. I just think that none of this niche group that they think is watching is literally the entire audience now. I think all the people that don't care about the Oscars don't watch anymore. All the people who do care about the Oscars and care about movies in that niche group are the only people watching. So last year's Oscars had 9.23 million viewers. The year before that, it was 18.69. So they lost over half of the audience. And I, I think part of the, the biggest reason 
was obviously there was a pandemic and the movies weren't as good and nothing was coming out. Um, I think that viewership will go back up purely because um, the movies have been better this year and there's been you know more movies and it's been easier for people to see movies. But there wasn't really, I mean, there weren't any performances in last year's Oscars that I can remember. It felt, as far as I can remember, it felt pretty much like going from award to award with not much in between. And so maybe whatever out of, the only explanation I can think is whatever out of date, out of touch producers are running the Oscars right now are saying, okay, we have this niche film market that's going to watch no matter what. Because these are because like we're the fucking Oscars, so let's add in more time to get bigger music acts and have comedians do bits, and people will want to tune in that don't necessarily care about anything but like maybe Best Picture. Sure, maybe that's what they think, but I don't think that's going to change anyone's mind. Literally, no. the only the only uh, valuable or just like understandable reason that i would give them is that if the time was cut like if they wanted to cut to two hours but they're not cutting any time which is ridiculous well that's what i'm well what I'm, that's what i'm what i'm trying to say is they they i think they took out what they view as things that the bigger audience doesn't care about like stuff that they think would normally get skipped to you know, it, they don't want to cut their time slate down, so they're going to cut what they deem, quote-unquote, you know, unimportant, or what the audience would deem unimportant, because, like, I, I, there's a bit, there's been a big backlash to it, but I didn't think that, they, they, I don't think the Academy would be like, oh, who really cares about if the live-action short gets cut? You know, I, I don't think they really thought about that. And they were like, if it means that we can add in, you know, the live cast of Encanto to sing We Don't Talk About Bruno. Like, that's, I feel like that's what they're weighing in their head. Which yeah, I don't, it, I don't it's, agree it's insane. with. It's insane that they're even, like, thinking like that. Right. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not defending it, and I'm not even trying to play devil's advocate. Well, I guess I am a little bit. I think I'm just ex- trying to explain why they would have done this, like, you know, it's a terrible decision. Um, they have, you know, the Oscars has had some pretty good musical acts in the past. I remember SZA did Broken Clocks, or did she do that at the Grammys? I don't know. This is one of those Grammys. Fuck. I don't know. The Oscars, it doesn't need to be entertaining in between. I really don't know what we could do. It doesn't. Literally, they should be embracing this, like, niche audience that they have. Like, literally just give them what they want. No well, one cares about these musical numbers, these comedic bits, the opening, whatever. Literally just run through the awards and everyone would be happy. What I think they should honestly be doing between these awards presentations, if they don't want to cut down the time and get through it quicker, is they should be focusing on the movie tributes and the film clip packages. Um and they should honestly, like, last year they didn't show clips from every nominee, and I remember, like, for mm-hmm. each category, usually there's a clip being shown, just some sort of clip, and there wasn't. That's one thing that I think a lot of people noticed and didn't like, because th- that's one way to engage audiences with these movies, and if it's something you haven't seen, it gives you, like, at least a little bit of an idea of why it was nominated, if it's... If it's for the production design or the costume design, if you see a little bit of that, you'll identify with it more. 
and then it may might pique your interest and then you might go watch the movie but like there was none of that last year uh, at least not where there should have been and I, I think that's why it was an all-time bad oscars last year in viewership in viewership I don't, I don't i didn't really hate the oscars last year it wasn't great but i thought it was interesting but that's was, another problem. I didn't mind it because they kind of sped through it, and it was nice. That's the 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 the, the conversation about last year's Oscars is a, is another pod for when we get closer because I do we do some weird shit happened. I mean I I I, need, I didn't I didn't have a microphone in front of me then, but I do now, so I'm gonna air my grievances. <laughs> I just I, I'm gonna talk about it <laughs> on a on a whole episode. Um, but something that I found interesting from this Variety article uh, written by Clayton Davis that I've been pulling all, uh, all this information from, uh, he said, in 2019, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the group behind the Oscars, caused an outcry when it announced that several below-the-line awards would be presented during commercial breaks. And people in the industry were pissed. They said the Oscars were minimizing contributions of the craftspeople and the show's producers, uh, then abandoned those plans in the face of the outcry. And, like, I don't, they, like, why would, they're doing it again. And I think, I don't know why they thought they would have a positive reaction this time. Like, this is worse, I think, than doing it during commercial breaks because you can come back from commercial break and be like, and this just happened live. Um, I just knocked my water all over my desk. Um, and, but the, you, you can't really do that with this. It'll be like, and th- all this shit happened before the show. We're going to show you 20 seconds of it. Here you go. Yeah. No, this is just extremely disrespectful. I don't get what they're doing. They're like, fuck it. We'll just do three hosts. We're going to take away half the, the Oscar categories, not even show them live. We're going to throw in all these random acts as a desperate outcry. It literally seems like they're just so desperate for literally anything. They're just changing literally all the rules. And it's just, it's just I don't know. I, just, I hate it. Fuck yeah, the Oscars. I'm, I'm not a fan of it either. I didn't like them to begin with, but the fact that they're just making it worse is just, oh, it's awful. Uh, I, I mean, I like the Oscars because it gives people something to talk about. I, I think it serves its purpose. I, I think... No, I'm fine talking with it, but just being disrespectful to the people that no, are yeah, in this it is bad. Is just is like who who are you appealing to? No, I'm not. Yeah, this is bad. I'm. Uh, I uh, I thought you were talking about like the, with the I don't like the Oscars. I thought it was because you didn't agree with a lot of the picks. I think that's. I think a lot of the times they do that shit on purpose to just make no for talk. sure. Yeah, and that's just part of the game. That's for every award show. I get that, but. Uh, it's just uh, it leaves a bad bad gripe with i think a lot of people yeah it's it's a uh we'll see how it goes but i do not think it'll go well i just yeah i just it already see, has gone over poorly i don't see people reading anyone reading this and be like oh okay i'm gonna watch the oscars now <laughs> yeah i think well oh I they think- took out editing yeah yeah i should watch now it should be good no but one well once again, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think it's this story will. I think the idea was this story will fly under the radar, and then when we announce, <laughs> they thought, well, yeah, and then when we announce we get this musical act, that'll be what people will like. They'll, they'll want to turn on the TV to watch this person perform. You know, I guess, but I also just see like 
I don't see any big artists being like, oh, yeah, I'll perform at the Oscars. I feel like they're going to get a know. shit ton of de- declines. And I think that happened with the hosts, too, which is why we got who we got. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Or maybe it'll be we got a shit ton of musicals this year. Maybe people from musicals will perform. I don't know. I hope not. I only um, see Lin-Manuel doing like five of the musical numbers and that's it. All right. Lin-Manuel came up. I'm going to now transition out of this <laughs> to <laughs> um, the uncharted big box office weekend. Movies are back again. Movies are back. Uh, from not the that eight, back, but it's, well, a, it's a decent. A hundred million dollar movie. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's not like amazing, but it's great. I mean, it's good. Big numbers. Um, yeah, definitely surprising though. I don't I think mean, anyone saw this coming. It's not Spider-Man No Way Home. It's not even <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home second weekend. <laughs> Are you gonna is. say that for every movie now? <laughs> well, but it is an Encanto. It's um, in- yeah, just very surprising as we've had a, a lot of these uh, generic action blockbusters. Like Moonfall just came out, kind of in similar vein. Um, this is this is a like on Halloween Kills level. Wow, Halloween Kills made a hundred million dollars. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- like, e- so if this had come out like even no pandemic, I really did not think anyone was gonna fucking see this movie. Like, I knew I was gonna go see it because I'm a sucker for stupid action, just feed it into my brain. But I mean. A lot of people are seeing this movie, apparently. Like, it's it's keeping up on the dailies, too. Yeah, and I'm I'm not... I feel like it's Tom Holland. I feel like he's the only thing bringing these people in. He it's, still has hype off Spider-Man. This was great timing for this movie to come out. And people just want to see more Tom Holland. Did uh, Because people... The majority of people have not played Uncharted. Uncharted, it no. is a popular game. I've played it. I've played all of them. They're great games, but I don't think people are going because of Uncharted, the story. I think it's yeah. Tom Holland. Right. Like, I, it's got to be the big draw. I can't think of – it's definitely not fucking Mark Wahlberg. Um, no. <sighs> it's February. It's dry season, and people are going to, like, see this movie. Like, mm, Do you think it, it, it's so, Tom Holland? So is it Tom Holland or is it there's nothing coming out and people really want to see an action movie? I don't know. I feel like people just saw No Way Home and they're like, that, that was their big movie of the next six months and they're mm-hmm. good. That's, that's what most people do. They see like their one big movie every six months or four months or whatever. Um, I, d- I don't think it's that. It's like a big action blockbuster bringing people in. I, I really think it has to be Tom Holland. Because the Batman's about to come out, and I think that's going to be even a bigger success. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like it has to be him. I guess is he the is he the most bankable star in Hollywood right now? I think this proved it. Is it? Um, but this is also, I feel like, like I just said, it's coming off the hype of No Way Home. So maybe in a few months from now, if another Tom Holland movie comes out, we'll see what happens. Well, what about like? Uh Timothy Chalamet, if like, you know, I think he's got an argument. Like, what if if he has another movie coming off the back of Dune? Is he doing numbers like this? I don't know. Yeah, like I'm trying to think if if Chalamet replaced Holland in this, would it still do as well? I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say this. Maybe if he like he'd have to have a. I, I don't know if he could do this type of action role. <laughs> um, I he what's a good skinny action role for him? 
Damn. Like is is <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Just a guy who could who walks around in the desert and looks tired and maybe he, he maybe he could play like a, a young indie or something. No, I don't think he can either even do that. River Phoenix is the only young indie I will recognize. Yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, you know, you think uh, like is Wonka gonna make a hundred million dollars when it comes off the back of Dune Part Two? <laughs> like, well, the thing is, Wonka's here? got a lot of other stuff going for it too, because it's know, it's a well known name. But I didn't I didn't want to get get to this in the pod, but like I'm kind of excited for that movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I love Timothy Chalamet and I love Roald Dahl and like it's like two niche interests like are just combining right here. <laughs> yeah, but Roald Dahl has nothing to do with this besides no, this story. <laughs> fucking nothing at all. But <laughs> you probably disapprove of this. <laughs> it looks like it's option. <laughs> it looks like it's gonna be a jungle adventure. Like this, it says the story will focus on a young Willy Wonka and how he met the Oompa Loompas <laughs> on one of his earliest adventures. So I did not know that. I oh, guess man. we're getting an adventure Willy Wonka film, which I don't know. Feels like a reason, just a reason to put Timothy Chalamet in a jungle with Olivia Coleman, Sally Hawkins, and Keegan Michael Key. Roman Atkinson. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know. The Uncharted is definitely a strange little spike that happened. I don't think anyone expected this. No, I definitely didn't. Um, I kind of really need to see this movie, I think, because I love dumb fucking action. And my I mean, I'm kind of interested because I want to see how many like Easter eggs they make to the video game. But I haven't that, played I it. Really care. I try. I started it, and then I kind of eh, and then yeah. Which one do you start with? Uncharted. It was just the first it, one. Yeah. I mean, the first one, it's old and it's got aged. Its bugs. Yeah, aged yeah. poorly. Um, but two, three, and four, woo, they're awesome. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just need to see it. I I I love dumb, stupid fucking action. Like I I listened to uh, the Big Pictures podcast about um, they were doing it ba- off the back of Moonfall, which I still need to see. Um, and it was just like top ten like dumb uh, science fiction movies, and I was like eating it up, like adding so much to my watch list. Um, like Stargate, I haven't seen Stargate, and I feel like I'm missing out. You know, shit like that. Ghosts of Mars, Supernova, Underwater, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I heard girl. that one was actually pretty good. I've heard like it's trash sci-fi, but it's like supposed to be solid. Um, I love dumb action. Um, so here's another question I had. Uh, Los Angeles just lifted mask mandates for theaters, but for vaccinated people. Um, it like obviously, except for a few outliers, we've talked a lot about people not getting back to theaters. Is it lack of blockbusters, lack of quality overall, not wanting to not wanting to go because of like the mandates and like I, I could kind of understand somebody who's not super committed to movies, like just not going to the theater because they don't want to wear a mask for two hours like i could kind of understand that sitting in one spot um especially if it's like a fucking cloth one where your breath blows right back on you and it gets hot but i like i i i don't know if this will be something that gets people back in theaters or if prices need to go down or if we just need better movies or bigger movies or maybe marvel should just make everything forever i don't know (laughs) 
right, I, I have two reasons why I think people are, are not going to the movies. I think the mask mandate has nothing to do with it. Yeah. First is, is plain and simple COVID. I feel like once COVID hit, there was a certain amount of people who were just like, no, I'm not going to the theaters anymore. And I'm not going to until COVID is basically non-existent or maybe never, who knows, or when it, when it really dies out, if it ever does. Um, the second thing is I think a lot of people during COVID found out about streaming and home theater and got their home set up super nice and super comfortable and are just not going to go to the theater ever again because they love their home viewing experience and they're only uh, going to go for Spider-Man or any of the other big ones that come out. I know it's not what you meant, but I could just pictured somebody like when the pandemic happened and they went inside for two weeks being like, wait, what the fuck is this Netflix thing? <laughs> <laughs> like oh shit look at all these movies just some somebody who's still been going to like like keeping the local video store afloat <laughs> like <laughs> you're telling me these are online no but like the thing that hbo max did where they put movies on streaming before the theaters and just like a lot more a lot of people are figuring out or like buying streaming packages they're upgrading their home setups they're just they're, they're being more comfortable in their home and they're not finding a good reason why they need to go to the theater um, yeah. and i think i really think that's it i think the mask mandate has nothing to do with it i mean like, at least near me i'm in connecticut most people when they go to the theaters they're eating they have their mask off they're drinking they're doing whatever like no one's sitting there with their mask like kind of scared or just not near anyone like if you're going to theaters you're going to the theaters you know what you're in for and i, I don't think a mask mandate is changing anything yeah um i'm more yeah i i just meant like the restrictions in general like especially like occupancy restrictions i mean that will obviously help um I mean, I'd imagine it would, but I don't know. Maybe people, like you said, people just don't want to go anymore. It's sad. I, I was grabbing my friends and shaking them, being like, fucking watch Dune in theaters. Don't watch it on your 45-inch TV in your living room covered in beer cans. Dune <laughs> is literally like, besides Spider-Man, Dune's like really the only movie where they had almost like a campaign around like going to the theaters. Like it just gained enough traction where people are like, have heard about like, I, I should not watch this at home. I should go to the theaters and see this. I think, uh, Shang-Chi had one because they were like, Oh, go see this in IMAX black widow. They didn't push that at all. Shang-Chi. I don't know. Marvel fans. I mean, I, there maybe is a portion that just watches it on, Disney Plus, but I do think a lot of Marvel fans are kind of like moviegoers and they will see it in theaters if they're a big enough fan. I'm kind of also thinking that like a lot of people weren't like in their heads were not doing the cost analysis very well of oh, it's twenty dollars or fifteen dollars to buy it on Disney Plus. Um wasn't it like forty? No, it's fifteen. It was like twenty or fifteen or twenty, because my girlfriend and I did this. Um, for Black Widow, because it would have been my mm. second time watching it, and I was like, nah. And then <laughs> I, I sat uh, to be a massive hypocrite right now. Um, but you buy it for like fucking $20, and then you have it. You can watch it any time after that. Oh, it doesn't expire? It doesn't expire, and then like when it goes on the streamer, it's just there. So like you have it for three months to rewatch it whenever you want. Oh, for three months. Okay. Like, for three months, because then it'll be on the streamer by then, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you do the cost analysis of it, if you're going to watch it more than once, it makes sense to buy it on the Disney Plus service. Yeah. 
Don't By tell the way, people which that is, we need uh, people to go to theaters. Yeah, I was going to bring up something else, but <laughs> that has to do with the plus for Disney Plus. But uh, all the Marvel shows on Netflix are moving to mm-hmm. Disney Plus, which is very interesting. Yes, I I mean, I'm glad that they're not going to be completely gone from streaming yeah. services because I plan on doing a Daredevil rewatch. Um, mm-hmm. I am of the opinion that these are just going to be canon. Like, I really think they are. At least no. the Dare- Daredevil, Daredevil might be. They literally just put it in Spider-Man. I know. I'm saying... So why would it be canon? Daredevil will be canon. You're saying... It's not going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm saying it will be part of the Marvel oh, Cinematic oh, Universe. Oh, okay. okay. That's what canon means. Okay. Right? You know this, right? And then so, because, like, they never clarified, like, okay, so when the shows were coming out, they were part of the MCU. Like, they, it was confirmed that they were. They, they referenced all the Avengers shit that was going on in Times Square multiple times and there was references to other movies all over the place um and then when disney plus came out they were like oh but wait we're getting these shows on disney plus now so no more netflix shows are these canon and Feige was like well i don't know but then in daredevil's appearance and spoiler for hawkeye kingpin's appearance in hawkeye they had things that overlapped from each show and so, like, people are like, oh, like, there's a, a camp that is now like, oh, these are canon, and a camp that's like, no, they're not. They're just going to redo Daredevil with the, with Charlie Cox. But I don't, I think they're going to keep at least Daredevil the same. I don't know about Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, and hopefully not Iron Fist. But once again, we get off, we get sidetracked by Marvel. <laughs> the Monopoly taking over. movies. All right. Um, this is a long list of people moving on to the Oppenheimer film um, that is being produced, directed by Christopher Nolan right now that he's putting out right now. Um, a new member wanna, gets added like every day. Do you want to read the massive list of famous people we have here? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go down the list. This is so far because literally a new one has been announced like almost every day. Um, Cillian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Benny Safdie, Josh Hartnett, Dane DeHaan, Jack Quaid, Alden Ehrenreich, I think? Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich. And Kenneth Branagh. Is it Cillian or Killian? Cillian, I think, maybe. I don't know. And then I got one more. Is it Remy Malek or Remy Malik? Malek. Hmm. I think that's how I always pronounced it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Alden Ehrenreich of solo fame. <laughs> yeah, good for him. And Dane DeHaan. What a surprise there. Yes, the best Green Goblin ever. <laughs> Is that a, a sarcasm right there? Yes. <laughs> I didn't mind him. But, um, oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's another podcast. <laughs> it's a different... I, a I'm a show. huge I'm a huge Dane DeHaan fan. I think I he's a too. great actor, and he gets miscast in a lot of things, and hasn't been able to show his like full potential. But now that he's in a Nolan film, I think he Nolan's gonna bring the best out of him. I like think, he will for all these people. I think uh, I love Dane DeHaan as well. I think the Amazing Spider-Man two completely stopped all momentum he had in his tracks, in its tracks. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't think that's his fault at all. No, it's not his fault. It's th- that movie kind of fucked up everybody's life. But right. 
like if you just look like where he was going was really seemed very you know upwards projected yeah like he's uh, he's trying for all these big roles like valerian that was supposed to be like a huge that show. was a grab man he they everybody in that movie was just going for it and then it did not work out yeah he like he, he goes for all these big parts and like he's trying to make it but he just it's not his fault any of the times he's always a great actor it's just it's something else that happens in the movie that makes it a, not a success but now that he's in a Nolan movie, hey, who knows might, what might happen? This might be yeah. his big break finally. He had Chronicle, which I think was kind of the big, like, everybody noticing him. And then, yeah, that's one of my um, favorite movies. And then he was in Lawless uh, mm-hmm. as Cricket. I like that movie a lot. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of smaller stuff. He plays Billy the Ki- Oh, that's I'm way ahead of myself. Kind of smaller stuff. Um, Kill Your Darlings, Devil's Not a couple of music videos and shorts and then he does amazing spider-man 2 and the quality falls off except for when he plays james dean in life it's also a cure for wellness which i heard is pretty good yeah i have not seen that either but um i also i cannot believe i did not watch this billy the kid movie that he's in the ratings are terrible but i can't believe that one like went under my radar love westerns yeah i have not seen it um it's but either an way ethan, it's an ethan hawk dane DeHaan, chris pratt western and that one went under my radar what is happening to me <laughs> i don't know man you tell Where me the hell have i been um but either way this nolan film is insanely stacked and definitely one of the biggest casts I was going to say in a long time, but Don't Look Up just happened, and Don't Look Up has a huge cast, too. Um, but I feel like we've been getting a lot of huge casts recently with this, um, Don't Look Up, The French Dispatch. We're getting a lot of like these big stars, a ton of big stars in, in one movie. It's really interesting. I wonder if it's going to be a trend now. I'm, I'm sorry to go back to the kid. <laughs> Once again, I'm just now finding out about this movie. It was directed by Vincent D'Onofrio, who I mm-hmm. fucking love. What am, what is wrong with me? I don't know. Get over it. I'm, I'm off my game. I'm sorry. Um, the cast looks insane. And first film to shoot black and white in IMAX. Holy yes, shit. That's, that's going to be, be incredible. That's going to be gorgeous. Gorgeous. I wonder, I wonder if this trend of having all these huge names in these movies is trying to get people back in theaters. Like, I wonder if that's the goal with these. See, that's don't look up did do that but then they released it on netflix so. yeah which is very interesting <laughs> that that one did kind of seem like they were going for the awards but yeah a hundred percent um that's fine but yeah this like the french dispatch i don't know the french dispatch is also different because it's wes anderson and everyone's in a wes anderson movie that's always the case for his movies right um but nolan this he never gets this big of a cast ever so I don't know. It's it's very exciting to see what he does with this many big stars. Um, do you think? I wonder how much of this is. I want to work on a Nolan film, and Nolan, like, is it more like people going to him and being like, "I want to work with you," or him going to people and being like, "I want a bunch of fucking movie stars." Well, I feel like people don't go to Nolan. <laughs> like, he's way at a higher level than like he you, goes to you. Do you have him like at the top of a mountain with like Scorsese, like the, just 
writing down movies and sending them down from the heavens. <laughs> I mean, he is at that level. Like, I don't think he's auditioning people unless it's like for like a smaller role. Like for the leads, he, I think he chooses for mostly everything. Like I, my, my, I imagine like Killian Murphy, I think it's Killian. He, he was like, I want to be a part of this, but like, uh, Pro- I, I uh, Killian, totally... I know Killian. As he said in an interview that Nolan chose him. I mean, I want you to be a part of this. Sorry, um, Dane DeHaan. That's got to be a, a a pure grab from Nolan. I don't see Dane DeHaan going to Nolan, but like RDJ or Matt Damon, I could totally be like, hey man, I really want to work with you. Emily Blunt, I think, is on that level. Yeah, I mean, maybe who knows what's going through his mind? Kenneth we'll Branagh. I bet Kenneth Branagh. He Kenneth Branagh are boys, so he was like, "Yo, lob me a role where I can do an accent. <laughs> Let me, if I could sit on a yacht again, that would be perfect. <laughs> uh, if I could do the whole movie from a yacht again and just do an accent, I am, <laughs> I am in. Um, you know, Alden Ehrenreich, Han Solo. He has, he can do whatever he wants, right? Yeah, movie. Jack Quaid too. <laughs> what a pull! You know, just uh, huge stars, star power out of those two guys. Um, I was being sarcastic about <laughs> but no, it's just it's crazy the pull he, he's getting from all these these big actors, and oh, it's going to yeah. be really exciting in IMAX to see all these big stars. I want Florence Pugh to be in I think every movie ever made. <laughs> she is great. She's so endearing. She's one of those people that I'm like, ah, you're just so fucking charming. God, I'll be, I'll be happy for you that your boyfriend's in a house on fire, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess that I'm happy for you. <laughs> she's so great, man. Um, I think she could, like, she's she'll, she could approach the Holland Chalamet level here pretty soon, I think. She can, and I think we'll definitely get there. Um. But what's interesting with this big cast is I feel like, unfortunately, we're going to see these people pop in the movie for like 10 minutes and then they're going to dip. And that's, that's it. another thing I'm wondering about is how they're going to like handle the screen time. Yeah. Unless it's ah. just going to. But even if it's like three hours, I still don't, like I feel like not that many people can like be in this movie for that long. I think a lot of it will be like bit parts like like especially something like Bradley Cooper in Licorice Pizza where they come in and throw their fastball for 5 to 10 minutes and then mm-hmm. leave um but also we've never seen that from Nolan before like he's never done that no i'm very interested to see him work with like bonafide movie stars in this way cuz mm-hmm. i mean what movie like true peak of their power movie stars has he really worked with like leo bale was that? Do you think that's movie star Bale? I think Batman made him like household name Christian Bale. Sure, sure, I guess. But he worked with him for three movies. Right. So he, I guess, he was each one the legend was growing. Mm-hmm. Um, McConaughey. I wouldn't call that movie star McConaughey. That's like that's off the back of, um, you know, the rom com McConaughey. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is really where like he has well established stars. I mean, he has worked with Matt Damon before, but in a little role. I guess Matt Damon, I guess, does count as like a little pop up role. Which one was that? I'm Interstellar. Completely blank. Oh yeah, God, yeah, exactly. Like ten minutes, just mm-hmm. dialing it up to fucking ten. Yeah, so maybe that's gonna be this whole movie. We're just gonna, we're gonna it's gonna follow Robert Downey Jr. and Killian Murphy the whole time, and then it's gonna be like, oh shit, Matt Damon. Oh shit, yeah. Florence Pugh. Oh shit, Benny Safdie. 
they're all acting completely insane when they come <laughs> up. Um, I want Kenneth Branagh being like a German scientist that is defected and just like hair, like, you know, pulled out from all the stress, like every which way, like looking <laughs> like he hasn't sli- slept. Um, Tenet, Robert Pattinson, that's a weird situation because it's a star. He was a huge star. And then he dipped because he was like, I'm going to make weird fucking indie movies with Willem Dafoe for years. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, this is going to be a very interesting Nolan movie. And it's a biopic wait. of all things. So, yeah, we'll, I, we'll see I, what he does. I'm I'm a little anti the biopic right now. But if Nolan's doing it and Killian Murphy and all these people are in it, then I'll watch it. But just stop it with the biopics, but like not this one. <laughs> um. All right. What have you seen recently, buddy? It's been a while since we've talked about what what you've seen. Yeah, Bo did his, his little solo pod last week. I was it's uh vacationing and don't say it was terrible. Uh, I, I know. I know. I'm like a huge part of this podcast, <laughs> and I'm the one that like really makes it. But well, that's you did, what you did I mean. Great. I, that pod is why I need you here. I need somebody to reel me in when I get going about <laughs> fucking the kid that I just found out existed. <laughs> Or if um, I'm going to get down the Stargate underwater lane, like I need somebody to reel me back in. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the past two weeks, I guess, I'll go through some. Uh, I guess the most notable one is I saw The Worst Person in the World. It was playing in theaters near me. Um, is it still not playing near you? Is it not a uh, wide release yet? They refuse to show me that movie. Don't Dang, know why. That's unfortunate. Because this movie was actually incredible. Like, I think it's a perfect movie. It. It's fucking incredible. I I did not think it would be as good as it was. Like, every... This this movie was it was structured so well. The acting was amazing. It, it was just like a movie that I've kind of been, like, thinking about, like, writing and, and like, making. And they just, like, nailed it perfectly and did everything. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't upset about it because of how well they did it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was, it was such a good movie. There's like so many like different layers to it. The visuals were great. The acting was great. Uh, I want to see it again immediately. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's an incredible movie and I recommend if it's playing near you, definitely go see it. Um, but besides that, nothing's going to beat that for the next while. <laughs> um, I watched Mass, which got some critical acclaim from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, literally just four people in a room talking the entire time. I think it's it's based off a play or it's supposed to be a play. Not based off a play. It, I think it, it could have been a play if they wanted to. But uh, very, very depressing and tragic topics of school shootings. It follows two parents of the kids who were involved in a school shooting. And they are, are talking out their differences. Um, it is very, very... Uh, deep and yeah like i said it's depressing and just like it's it's not it's very powerful because it's literally they don't cut away from this room like they're in the room the entire time and they're just talking and like you don't need the visuals of like what happened or or anything it's just from their talking and it's incredible acting um and just like yeah what they do with just four people in the room talking is it's very powerful and it was a great film but just like afterwards you're just like why why i can't believe this film is like a thing like i can't believe we have to like talk about this it's just it's ridiculous and sad um but yeah going away from that also watch <laughs> moving on 
can't talk about that anymore. Um, I, I would recommend it, but just know it's it's gonna make you. No, move on, move on, move <laughs> on. Um, watch Genius, uh, Kanye stock. Um, part one, part two came out, but I did not watch it yet. Um, part one's incredible. I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. Like, obviously, I'm I'm a huge Kanye fan, and like I enjoyed it for the content. But the documentary itself is super well made. Um, Kanye, who's the director has been with Kanye for his whole entire life since before he was a star and just watching like you just see like when they first start like recording when he's just like a uh just like a nobody you just see like the passion they have behind this and that like and just the confidence that Kanye has that he's like um yo I'm gonna have my friends uh film me for a documentary that I'm gonna release in 20 something years when I'm a huge mega star like he just had that confidence when he was that young and just watching that throughout is just incredible. And Connie, um, the director narrates the entire thing to kind of, um, lead the story, but it's just an amazing doc. And even if you're not a Kanye fan, it's still a great watch and I would definitely recommend it. Um, I'm super excited to watch part two and three. Um, besides that, um, I watched a couple shows. Euphoria is going on right now. Um, by the way, have you seen the last episode? Yes, I have. That was to... no. I don't, I, don't, I don't go into it, but that well, was a no, phenomenal I was say, episode. I was gonna say, should we? Do we need to do like a thirty-minute breakdown next week of the finale, just like parallel to the str- normal feed? Well, what's interesting <laughs> is I'm gonna crazy. This uh, Euphoria episode, I feel like had a lot of inspiration from Mean Girls, which we can get into. Yes. Oh my God, I was just thinking that literally yeah. during. The, the the rewatch yeah um so yeah euphoria it started off a little iffy but it's, it's still kind of iffy but the visuals and technicality of it is just unbelievable it's it's worth it just for that um i've watched all of peacemaker peacemaker was fucking awesome great show it's literally better than any of the marvel shows which is insane <laughs> Pe- literally like they're putting like no effort into this and it's already better than any of the marvel shows by far it's such a good show and ends with a uh, a great little cameo that a lot of people have been psyched about. Um, and then I watched uh, a Miyazaki film, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, which is one of Miyazaki's first films. Um, and it was very, very well done. Definitely up there for Miyazaki. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. Hmm. I haven't watched Peacemaker. I've only seen one episode. Dude, you're going to flip out when you see the finale. And I, I think I had it spoiled for me by Twitter. Yeah, I was all over Twitter. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to talk about it just in case anybody else hasn't seen it. It's still a little too soon, but like I saw it and like I did the thing where you open it cuz you don't know what it is. Like I saw something like I I it I didn't think it was about Peacemaker and then I clicked it and I was like fuck. <laughs> like I, I just I mean, it's super hard to like avoid. I, like it's kind of like the Spider-Man spoilers. Like it's just it's it's going to be out there. It's huge. I saw a superhero and my lizard brain just clicked it. You know. <laughs> um, but it's right. still it's still great to see it in the show. Um I have watched a good bit of movies mostly in like the last few days. Um I watched Death on the Nile in theaters on Sunday. Jesus, I love Kenneth Branagh. He's fun. Especially in this, like, he could make these Hercule Poirot movies for the rest of time, and I would still see them. He he has so much fun with it, it looks like. Just, he gets to do a silly accent and dress up rich and fancy, and 
fly a bunch of movie stars out to exotic locations and make movies. Like, sounds like a great fucking life, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it does. He's kind of living like the uh, Adam Sandler life. It's the Adam Sandler, but he's making mystery movies where everybody gets to play dress up and like do play a whodunit. Like that seems like it's so much fun, and I hope. I mean, he it's makes kind it of movie. what Ryan Johnson is doing right now with Knives Out. Yeah, Island. exactly. And I love mystery movies, so I will. Kenneth, if you're out there listening, I will watch a million more if you want to do every. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, "Please star me, please hire me as an actor." Oh, that too. I would love to be in it. <laughs> I would. I could do accents, maybe. If we could, are there any of Agatha Christie books set in rural Georgia? I could do a rural, a rural Georgian accent. Um, and then I had a weird pivot on Monday. I watched a fuck ton of movies on Monday. I was clearly not very busy. Um, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, in and out, real quick of that movie. That movie is an hour and twenty-two minutes long, so. If you're a fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, watch it, I guess. It is so brutal and just it's mean to the characters in it. And it kind of makes Leatherface into like a good guy. It's the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like about like the anti-Vietnam hippie movement that had kind of started and like so this one kind of covers, like, gentrification of, like, rural or poor areas. And it's about these, like, teens that are, like, going to fix up this old town and make it, like, an influencer paradise. And then they, like, kick Leatherface out of his home and it triggers him and he goes on a chainsaw rampage. <laughs> the kills are good. It's getting – people are being mean to this movie, but, like, I think – Yeah, I see people at, bashing it. I think they're looking into it too much because, like, what – like – the if you've seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's not. It, it's just. But that watching. has critical acclaim. It does because it was the first movie to like. It, it it's I, it was a it was not critically acclaimed at the time. It was right. a huge cult hit, which mm-hmm. has since been like cited as inspirations for other critically acclaimed slashers, and it helped kick off the genre along with Halloween. But I don't know what people wanted from this. There was a scene where he took a chainsaw on a party bus and killed like 20 people. And Hell it was yeah. awesome. The final kill in the movie is so fucking cool. Um I mean it's it's good. It's not good. I won't say it's good, but I'll I'll probably watch it again. Like it's fucking fun, man. I like sla- I just like slashers, I guess. I don't know. And I'm too nice to him. In that same day though, I watched Rush Hour Rush Hour 2 for the first time. I love those movies. Uh, yeah, I will, I will probably get to three here very soon. Um, and then right after I finished those movies, I was like, I'm going to do a Kung Fu. I texted you this. I was like, I'm going to do a Kung Fu movie deep dive because I love Jackie Chan doing karate on the screen. And I had a whole section for that in the uh, Academy Museum. It's cool. About Kung Fu movies? Yeah. Or Jackie Chan? Uh, it was mostly Jackie Chan. They focused on Jackie Chan, but I think there are some other ones in there. Wow. Um, so then after that, I decided to watch the movie Ip Man, which is about this guy named Ip Man. And he was like 1930s, 1940s China. And th- this was a real person who – have you seen Ip Man? I, I always thought it was Ip Man. I never no, it's pronounced Ip it Man. Ip. 
Uh, it's a hit, man. Uh, so, no, I have not. I've seen clips though. Real guy, um, played by Donnie Yen. Very, very good. Uh, and 1930s, 1940s China. So Japan, you know, Japan is like taking over China at this time. And this guy's just a master of a type of China of uh, kung fu called Wing Chun, and he beats the fuck out of people. And he was a real dude, and apparently he really did this shit. This is a biopic movie, and it rocks. Ip Man, also, real fact, the guy who trained Bruce Lee. The real guy? The real guy trained Bruce Lee. It, I sent this clip to you. This isn't really spoiling anything. Bruce Lee shows up in the end of It Man 2 as like a kid. He's like five years old, and he's doing the nose thing, you know, where he pushes his nose. He's like, train me. Like, I'm going to be your greatest student. He's like, come back when you're older, kid. And you're like, oh, look at that. That's so sweet. Like, and then I, So now um, I started Fist of Fury last night, uh, the Bruce Lee movie. I got like 10 minutes into it, and then Kanye started playing music, and I was like, oh, I'm intrigued by this other thing. So I went over there, uh, but I'm going to finish Fist of Fury here soon. So, uh, And then I, I'm going to move on to some more kung fu movies, so I'll probably have a bigger breakdown of that next week. But I've definitely watched a have lot to of watch, movies. Definitely got to watch Kanye's doc. I know. I watched half of it, actually. I watched the back half. <laughs> What? (laughs) I walked into my friend's house and they were playing it, and I just sat down. (laughs) It's probably so confusing. I was like, "Well, no, I I kind of knew what was going on because I just know a lot about Kanye over the years." Like, I sat down and he's in the studio playing or in the exec office playing uh, "All Falls Down." Unreal scene. Yeah, it's just Um, insane seeing him play one of like the biggest hits, and then. Everyone just ignoring it. Yeah. Um, everybody was like, I met my with a couple friends, and they were like, why is nobody like letting him put out music? And I was like, because they don't want him to start making beats for himself and not giving them any. Like, he's, they, they need him to make beats for them. Yeah, one of the most, I think, insane things is just seeing all the people trying to latch on to him, even before he's famous. Just thinking mm-hmm. that he's going to be famous and just trying to latch on to him and like grow with him. Right, and another thing is the people above him not wanting him to get famous because they he's gonna outshine them. That mm-hmm. not only that, but they'll lose their best producer. Is it yeah. like Jay Z? There's a reason Jay Z wasn't the one to give him the Rockefeller chain. Right. Uh, we'll get into that another pod though. <laughs> That's a different we, pod. We got some Mean Girls to talk about. We do have Mean Girls to talk about. I am so excited. I love Mean Girls. Great fucking movie all right we will be right back after the break with our mean girls conversation hey everybody it's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor album book club it is a book club but you know for albums and uh they have weekly picks that they put out on their twitter at album book club one and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, it's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have
have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. All right, and we are back from the break, and we are here to talk about 2004's iconic hit, Mean Girls. Do you want to tell us who's in it? Sorry, I like left an opening for you there and did not say anything about it. No, I should have jumped in. I was I, I misread. <laughs> All right, keep um, going. <laughs> Leave it in. Uh, We're leaving it in. No, mean Girls. Yeah, 2004. Um, it's about – is it Caddy or Katie? Oh my God! It's Katie. Jesus Christ! I already that's forgot. Funny <laughs> the movie. All right. Uh, um, Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list girl click at her new school, until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic Regina George. That's great. Um, director Mark Waters, who has quite the, quite the resume, um, written by Tina Fey and based off the book by Rosalind Wiseman. Um, this stars Lindsay Lohan, uh, Rachel Adams, uh, Jonathan Bennett, Tina Rachel, Fey. Ra- Rachel McAdams. Oh, did I say Adams? Sorry. Yes. Rachel McAdams. Jonathan Bennett, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Tim Meadows, um, A- Amanda Seyfried. And yeah, that's the big ones. Um, yeah. Uh, so this movie was obviously a hit at the time. Um, it drew a lot of comparison to those that came before, oh my God, those that came before it, particularly Clueless and Heathers. Um, there was a lot of mixed, uh, like a lot of these are backhanded compliments. Like somebody called it an uneven comedy in, uh, this Mean Girls, uh, review from Variety written by David Rooney. Are these uh, all from 2004? Yeah, the the one that I'm mostly pulling from this variety interview is right right after it came out. Um, lots of praise for uh, Faye's writing and her first like feature role. Well, mm-hmm. this is also kind of backhanded. It has some winning moments for Tina Fey. Um, yeah, standard glossy uh, visual energy of good teen pick plus plenty of snappy wardrobe. That's that's yeah, that's a pretty good review of this movie. It's a it's an iconic teen movie, but it is all like it is at its core very, I think, derivative of Mean Girls and Heathers, not to say it's ripping them off, but you know, you can definitely see the influences and inspiration from it. Totally. Particularly with Heathers is something I, I this time I came around to I was thinking about it more and more again like the plastics are just the heathers right like three girls who run the school yeah i would say so and then they bring in an outsider who i think is new to the school i think veronica yeah veronica is a mysterious new kid they bring her in because they're intrigued by her because she's new and then make her part of the group and make her popular and she gets really sucked in by the presence of these girls and then she becomes too much like them and she doesn't like it. The only difference here is instead of <laughs> instead of trying to take Regina George down or take the main Heather down, she gets Christian Slater to murder them. <laughs> What's very interesting about this movie is um, 
since we've watched Superbad two weeks ago, it's very yeah. interesting comparing these two because Superbad is like one of the most realistic depictions of high school, while this is like almost the complete opposite, like one of the most cliched versions of high school. I know that's the point of the movie, but just thinking about that in terms of like what we watched recently, it's just like they're almost polar opposites. So this is something that I was thinking about, and Euphoria actually got me thinking about this um, because somebody made the point the other day that online that euphoria a lot of it it's from rue's perspective so we don't know how much we can trust like she is the narrator and you know the whole thing with untrustworthy narrators and somebody was like maybe the production wasn't actually that good on lexi's show she just saw it that way because she's so happy for her like ex-best friend or best friend or whatever that's not what i'm trying to talk about but it just got me thinking about that with the show um katie grew up spent 12 years in africa and was homeschooled she doesn't know what a high school is like so i think maybe part of it is like this is to the the over examination of the cliques and the over exaggeration of the cliques in the school are probably to show how foreign it feels to her because i think even to a 2004 high schooler like you're supposed to be seeing this from her perspective that that would not be what high school looks like in 2004 i think i mean what do i know i was six no, I don't think people are acting like gorillas everywhere. That was so. That was also this is a little bit early, but that was something that I loved. Like when she was comparing shit to the jungle, and it would be like the in her head, and they would be like, you know, moving around on all fours around the watering hole in the middle of the mall. But then when like the <laughs> the burn book gets published, like. It, it she says it in her head but it's actually what's really happening like these girls are all just beating the hell out of each other yeah it was a great foreshadowing moment it was so it's so funny um so you mentioned the cast here Lindsay lohan jonathan bennett rachel mcadams tina fey um tim meadows amy poehler uh lizzie kaplan i've seen her in a bunch of stuff since then uh neil flynn amanda seyfried just wanted to shout them all out again um amanda seyfried i think low-key goes on to have the best career the most success i mean she was um, in mank one of the most one of the best pictures of the 21st century so you I mean. can make an argument <laughs> about Lindsay lohan and her success even though that's not where she is now but <laughs> i think she had a higher rise than amanda has i think Lindsay lohan had the highest peak straight off the back of this movie yeah. but like i don't think amanda seafried is done peaking i think she's really starting to hit it because more and more i've seen people come around to like Oh wow, Amanda Seyfried was in a bunch of really good movies that we No, I'm not I'm not denying not, that she's yeah. great. No, but what I'm saying is I think she's like like especially like with the Mamma Mia movies, uh Jennifer's Body is getting like a huge cult following right now. Mank, um I, I mean she, a bunch of stuff like she's people have just been coming around on it and are starting to like see it and she's getting a lot of hype off this. Sure. Yeah, but I also think Rachel McAdams is super established and has a great career. Um, obviously, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are mm-hmm. dominant in their category. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would agree with that for the most part. Um, Lacey Schabert, Schabert, not doing much, unfortunately. No. In the Black Christmas remake, that was not very good. And was apparently so for- forgettable that they followed up with another one 11 years later. Tough looks. Tough looks for Gretchen Wieners. Um, but yeah, this movie on my rewatch, I, I loved it. I didn't think I would like it as much. I thought a lot of the jokes would not land, but a lot of them did. And at the same time, a lot of them didn't, though. 
Uh, yeah. I think the, the highs were very high and the lows were kind of very low and cringy as well. Um, they, but the highs, there, there are a lot more highs than lows for me. They, um, they went with some typical 2004, you know, very lowbrow comedy that I don't think that, you know, obviously would not fly today and really hit with a thud when you're watching it now. Um, but for like, for the most part, it is very good. It is, it all works. Yeah. It got um, some genuine laughs out of me, but yeah, I totally forgot I mean, about it's a hilarious movie. I think I do. I do like clueless more than this movie. Cause I think, like I said, a lot of this comes from clueless and I do also like easy a more than this movie because I think easy. A, whoa. Easy a improves on what this movie was trying to do. Um, but this movie like is such a cultural touchstone and such an inspiration for movies that came after it. And like a, High, such a high bar for the teen movie genre that like I I'll, I don't think I'll ever hate it and I'll always I'll always return to it probably I, I mean I guarantee I'll watch this at least once a year and uh, everything there's gonna be parts that make me make me laugh when the sex ed teacher says if you have sex you'll get pregnant and die and then he misspells like one of the STDs on the board I can't remember which one he misspells he's like he writes like gonorrhea up there and he spells it like G U or something. It's so mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, and then right after he hands out the condoms. Right. It's little stuff like that that like make you feel like high school again, like just inept teachers not equipped to deal with sex ed for you know underclassmen that are gonna have sex, like, you know, <laughs> you're just getting to that age where you have freedom and like that's what you're going to do when you get a car. Like yeah, it was very over-exaggerated, everything, but right. it, was, it was done well. Um, and it, it still holds up today, which is which is great. Not a lot of comedies can do that. Uh, okay. S- I don't think it's as quotable. I don't see many people still quoting this movie as they did kind of maybe a five to ten years ago. Um, but the quotes still land. The quotes, um, I, I, you know where I see a lot more of this now is the gifts are what is living mm. on i see a lot of gifts true i do see i agree with that yeah uh i don't see it used in everyday um talk but definitely gifts yeah i see it yeah i see it all the time like i i remember being in middle school and high school i used to hear you go glen coco all the time and mm-hmm. like get in bitch we're going shopping all the time and it yep. made me the you go glen coco i was like that's not even a funny line in that movie why are we and then like October third and Wednesdays we wear pink and all that like it was everywhere. Yeah, and now it's it was. not. It's there's a lot less of that. But uh, then again, it could be that we're not in high school anymore <laughs> and people aren't quoting also, high school movies. It also could be that Euphoria took its place. That's true. Because everyone is quoting and gifting Euphoria right now. Um, before we get to that, actually, let's do Mark Waters really quick. Uh, sure. There's a a. When, I think when Freaky Friday and Mean Girls come out, those are back-to-back years. Those are huge hits. Do you think he's kind of looking around and telling himself that he's the next John Hughes? Mm, I mean, when I look back at his filmography, not that impressive, honestly. No, 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 no. He had Mean uh, Girls and Freaky Friday, and then that's pretty much it. He has a bunch of like random like Disney or TV movies, some random sequels here and there. Um, but yeah, 
No, he really only has 500 days in Mean Girls for him. But 500 days, I mean, he pro- he was a writer or producer of that. He produced it. He didn't yeah. even, yeah, you know. No, he no he directed it. No, he didn't direct it. He 100% did. Uh, oh, no, you're right. You're right. I'm 100% that right. That was directed by Mark Webb. Yes, I knew that. I'm sorry. Who he did off produce the, it. But off he the, was, yeah, he was a big sorry. producer for it. Off the back of 500 Days of Summer famously got the role of Amazing Spider-Man director for some reason. I don't right. A lot of Amazing Spider-Man being referenced today. Um, right, dude, my bad. Mar- so, fucking Mark Waters, just I was a I loved the Spiderwick Chronicles when I was a kid, and yeah. he just butchered, butchered, a fantastic series. Yeah. Mm. But he also made he's all that. He did. He did not. He did. He made the new he's all that. Oh, that's God! How fall the how far the mighty have fallen. Yeah, just he's he's not he's at an all time low right now. Man, but free- he made Mean Girls, so right. I was about to say Freaky Friday is a big cultural touchstone still. I think, um, and he got to work with Jamie Lee Curtis, a legend, and Lindsay Lohan, a, a crackhead legend, and then uh, <laughs> and then he made Mean Girls. Um, you know, so good for him. He's probably getting a good residual check off that. <laughs> I think that's all he's living on. All right, so actually, I don't know. He's all that did very well, so no, it didn't. You're lying to me. No, it got huge numbers on Netflix. Did it really? Because of Addison Ray. Ugh, I hate it here. Cinema quality is, dead. is the opposite direction, but C- cinema is dead. God, Probably Netflix cinema. No, that's the opposite of what I just did. All right, so ongoing legend of this movie. Uh, you, you mentioned Euphoria. One thing that I could not stop thinking about, like, okay, so Euphoria is very inspired by this movie. It's like this movie, but like X-rated um, almost. And mm-hmm. one thing I could not stop thinking the entire time is if Euphoria comes out in 2004, Amanda Seyfried is Cassie, right? Uh, to an extent, because Amanda Seyfried's character is... No, 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 I just meant she'd be the one cast as Cassie. Like, if we were casting this off of Mean Girls, she's Cassie. In terms of, like, looks? Just, I think she would be good in that role, especially, like, if you see her play Marion Davies. I think, for some reason, (laughs) Cassie's, like, a cross between the mank Marion Davies role and Karen Smith. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think she would play Cassie. Yeah. Yeah. Lizzie Kaplan. I don't know who Lizzie Kaplan would be. Mm, I don't know, but you definitely see a lot of like the, those high school stereotypes displayed in Euphoria in like a different way. Yeah. Um, especially in the most recent episode, for people who haven't seen it, it's like it's a play. Um, they definitely took a lot of I feel like inspiration from Mean Girls and these other um, high school cliches. Yeah, the play, you know. Which the I, I I don't know if this is really spoiling anything. Lexi in the show wrote the play Maude Apatow's character, um, and the play has a lot of the over exaggeration of um, you know high school clickiness I think and high school stereotypes, which is a lot of what this movie is. So Euphoria already pretty inspired by I think teen movies of the past, and then they that was like almost like a tribute to it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, it was very. Uh, it was a good episode, and um, I love 
any chance I can get to point out references to <laughs> other shit and be and talk about Mean Girls and Clueless. Um, what quotes from this movie really landed for you? Like what what or what jokes from this movie really landed for you? Like what were some of your favorites? Um. I still really love the race jokes. I mean, the ones in the beginning. Oh no! Where, where they, where they, they're calling out the sh- when uh, the new students from Africa, and they point right at the black person. Yeah. And to see, see black people at the lunch table too. Like those jokes, I I know they might have not have aged that well, but they're still hilarious. I think I th- the this the difference between how, that and like something it's not as mean spirited because it's right pointing out the white person as being the fucking culturally insensitive like exactly that makes you know and then yeah the the, that has not aged super poorly um i (laughs) i was a big big fan almost everything damien says makes me laugh because that guy has the best comedic timing in the show and when Miss Norbury's like, I'm when they see her at the store that uh, Lindsay Kaplan works at, and she goes, "I'm kidding." Sometimes older people make jokes too, and David <laughs> quietly says, "My grandma takes off her wig when she's drunk." And then Tita Fey looks back and goes, "Your grandmother and I have that in common." Like that's such a top tier interaction between the two. Oh, it's so great. My favorite, my favorite quote that really made me laugh, even though I've heard it before, but it just really hit me this time is when they're doing the confessions at the end um, from the burn book or just the confessions in general. And this one chick just goes, well, one, the you don't even go here, girl. is so funny still. Oh, that's where I thought you, you were going You don't even go this. here. No, it was another one. It was the, I don't hate you because you're fat. You're fat because I hate you. <laughs> that, was, that line is so I, good. I completely forgot about that. And I snorted. I so it was so unexpected for me. Same. Oh I just I completely forgot about it, and now I'm going to use that when I talk to people. Now, so funny. It's going to be um, my number one insult. My favorite has actually always been Damien when he's in the girls' bathroom, and the girl goes, "Hey, get out of here!" And he goes, "Oh my God, Danny DeVito, I love your work." <laughs> yeah, it's another that classic. Sh- that shit Woo. makes me laugh so hard. Um, just oh, it's so good. Uh, I love. Uh, I think I have ESPN or something. Yeah, my boobs yep. could tell when it's when it's gonna rain. Just like, the well, fact that she says ESPN over like yeah. any other channel is too good. And then she goes. Um, <laughs> then she goes. Well, I could tell my boobs could tell me when it's already raining. <laughs> and at the end, when she's standing in the rain, yeah, touching her boobs. Her, she says, "There's a thirty percent chance it's already raining." <laughs> She's just getting poured on. Um, That's some really I, dumb humor in this. It's it's great. I this is I think one more uh, before I move on here in a second. But it's when uh, Neil Flynn plays the dad, and I think he was completely under underutilized in this movie. And the mom says, "Where's Katie?" And then Neil Flynn, she went out. The mom, she's grounded. And then the dad goes, "Are they not allowed to go out when they're grounded?" <laughs> Because <laughs> they just have no idea what it like how to parent in America. It's so funny. Um, oh God, let's see. Uh, I do. So I was watching an interview with the guy who plays uh, Damien Daniel Franzese, and he talked about how some stuff was going to be different. Uh, he said he just remembers little quotes, pretty much about it. 
one thing he remembered was when they go to like the back building at the beginning right when they meet each other um he's supposed to be smoking a cigarette when they walk back there and katie goes you shouldn't do that and (laughs) daniel's supposed to look at him and go and inhale and blow out and go it keeps me thin (laughs) (laughs) and then he said it got cut because mark waters didn't like to portray teens as smoking cigarettes but like that's a top tier joke Mm, Um, interesting and then Norbury was originally going to get found with drugs because she confiscated Kevin G was supposed to be like selling ecstasy (laughs) Miss Norbury was supposed to take it and confiscate it and put it in her uh, desk and it was going to get found by the cops after the burn book leaks and so they like the entire school goes in front of the school board and Kevin G is supposed to like stand up and like be like, I, I they're my drugs. And then he doesn't show up. So Damien takes his place. And he, one of the lines he was supposed to say was like, Oh, Miss Norbury saved my life. I could be listening to house music right now. <laughs> just totally. Uh, he has a bunch of funny lines, just totally underutilized. Still, he could have been funnier. Um, I agree. One of the best moments in the movie is when they're doing the candy cane thing and he gives one to Katie and then he walks out and he goes, and none for Gretchen Wieners, bye. <laughs> um, I, do, I did have one more thought that I actually had not thought of when I was watching this movie, which was um, Regina George and Janice are both bad friends to Katie. Terrible friends. Oh, yeah. Horrible. Just like Janice blames Katie for pretty much becoming the person Janice made her. And the same with Regina George. Like, they both created what Katie was because she was completely clueless. She had no idea what what America was like. Oh, yeah. No, terrible friends. I Like, Katie the, getting the hate, that much hate from the school, just totally, totally unwarranted. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Hmm. I hated it. I was mad. I was mad at Lizzie Kaplan. I don't like being mad at Lizzie Kaplan because I like her. Now You See Me too is better than Now You See Me. I couldn't make it to the second one after that horrendous ending of the first <laughs> <laughs> It's a different pod. It's a different episode. Uh, she's not in the first one. That's the difference is Lizzie Kaplan's not in the first one. Um, but the fucking Eisenhower guy is Jesse Eisenhower is being neurotic as ever um all right <laughs> Zack snyder saw him do that and said all right now do that but be but be lex luther that's why we have it god um all right what more do we have i don't know how much more i have left on this movie it's just, it's just there's not a lot to say besides it i think defined no, well i was gonna say it defined teen movies for a generation. Yeah, no, I agree. And it still holds up today, which is rare for comedies. Uh, yeah, I think this is one that will be watched for generations to come. Like, pe- this is one that, like, parents are showing the kids. Uh, for sure. I don't know about that. I think kids are going to really? find it on their own. I don't think mm. this is, like, a family movie. I, you see, the the thing is, I don't. I really don't see... Why not? The the sex stuff is like No, not saying it's too explicit, but I think it's like the dumb humor of it. It's not like necessarily a family movie. It's not that type of comedy. Oh, I don't know, man. I think a lot of these teen movies play well with 
Like, I'm not saying you show it to, like, a five-year-old. I'm talking about when the kid's, like, 13. I think that's, like, no, right. I understand that, but I don't know. 13, 14, going into high school, I think it's, like, a perfect. <laughs> Son, this is what high school is Well, you just like. got to explain this is not what high school is like, <laughs> but, like. Just preparing you for high school for watching this movie. I mean, don't the, get yourself in the burn book. The thesis of the movie is don't be a dick, so. I don't yep. know. I also don't know how well that message lands because, like, I feel like at the end of it, like, no, there's, no, there's not really like a resolution or anything. Well, all, well, what I was, what I was going to say, I, I meant to say, by the end of it, like, when you walk away from that movie, you're not really remembering the ending. You're remembering everything before and exactly. the plastics and stuff. Like, yeah, you know, no, it doesn't. I mean, it just kind of ends, and that's fine for what it that's, is. That's why I think it was called an uneven comedy at the time because there is. The the re- resolution is not great and does not make a whole lot of sense. Like, all of a sudden, everybody's just cool. Uh, especially the shit with her getting the guy at the end. Like, that came out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? But I don't want to end this on a negative note. I love this movie. Um, not as good yeah. as Clueless, but it's a great movie. I liked it. All right. You good? Move on to what yeah. we're doing next week. Well, I think we should uh, first say that we're both seeing The Godfather in the next few days. Yes, you are seeing it tomorrow for the first time, and I am seeing it on Friday. Kind of nervous. I'm like, I'm like shaking a little bit. You, sh- you should crazy. be. It's gonna change your worldview. I um, can't believe like I'm actually going to be seeing this movie. <laughs> it's been like this has just been like a, just like a facade for so long. The just White Whale. It's just been like, yeah, it's just been like hanging there, but like I haven't been reaching for it, and now it's it's here. It's it's coming for me. And Dolby Cinemas, 4K remaster. It's the perfect time. Um, So next week we are going to be doing this movie. We are also going to be doing, I think, a bunch of Best Picture winners over uh, the next month of March. Uh, Just to, you know, we're going to talk about the Oscars even more. Why not? You know, <laughs> we it's it's the biggest. Yeah, event we, well, whatever best picture, whatever best picture wins the polls, we can just talk about that Oscar year. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, but you know, the ceremony is March twenty seventh, so mm-hmm. it'll allow us to talk about Oscar years, um, and it will allow us to talk a bunch of about a bunch of really good movies and kind of I think explain the Oscars a little bit more to people and like yeah. the significance of them because i think people under this understand the significance but i feel like there's still like a divide between the common knowledge of it and like how much we know about it i feel like we know a little too much about the oscars <laughs> like more than people should know or maybe just i don't mm. i don't know but we'll it should be out. fun there's nothing yeah, i mean great, it's great fun t- if you want to talk about the Oscars, it gives you endless content. So, oh, I don't know if I told you this, but at the Academy Museum, they had a whole like Oscar section, obviously, and they had like a bunch of just like random Oscars, like best mm-hmm. uh, visual effects for Star Wars, best animated film Shrek. Like there were a bunch of like random ones there. But in another room, they had a huge timeline from like the first Oscars all the way to current, and there was like an empty space for new ones. And they put like the most notable things that happened at each Oscars, like in bullet points next to the timeline oh, for wow. each Oscars, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you're walking around, there's all these TVs that are on the wall, and all the TVs are showing like all the most iconic Oscar speeches that mm. happened, which was really cool. Just like seeing all these Oscar speeches play, like they're like su- some super political ones where people are, like booing them. There are people just like crying, giving like really heartwarming speeches. There's like a whole range of like all the most iconic ones, and it was just a really cool like room to be in, just being surrounded by all these like iconic Oscar moments. 
I wonder if they show Marlon Brando's acceptance for the Godfather uh, for the Vito Corleone role. I don't remember seeing that one. We'll talk about. I don't know if you know. Do you know about that? No. Okay. Well, we'll save. I'll save it for next week. Um, all right. Thank you for talking movies with me, buddy. I can't wait for you to finally see The Godfather, the great single greatest piece of American culture ever created. It's happening. Uh, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. I am super duper excited. All right. I'll see you next time, buddy. Till next time.